I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. And let's talk about what lessons have found. Let's hang out. And let's listen to two lesbians shout. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. Hey everyone, welcome back to Les Hangout, the podcast that likes their politics thigh high. From the West Coast, I'm Lee Holmes Foster. And from the East Coast, I'm Ellie Brigida. To those of you who have been with us through this whole journey, thank you as always for listening. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're excited to have you here. Here's what's happening this week. This week in the Lesdom. This Week in the Lesdom is a place where we can touch base each episode about things going on with the podcast or otherwise, and we still are keeping the virtual hangouts going. Don't you worry. We will keep you company during this entire time, even if we're locked down for 10 months. (laughs) (laughs) We'll still be here. Don't worry. Hanging out. Come hang out with us. Yes. That being said, we have two events for you this weekend. The first one is this Saturday. We will be doing a karaoke night. We are so excited. That's going to start at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to sing, make sure you sign up ahead of time. And on Sunday, it is the premiere of Killing Eve. So we will be celebrating with Killing Eve trivia at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then we'll be watching the premiere at 9 p.m. So come hang out with us for our karaoke night and Killing Eve trivia this weekend. We will also be hosting two Winona Earp trivia nights. Same thing we did with Schitt's Creek trivia. One on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Come hang out. We are so excited. We just passed our 100th episode. Today is our 101st episode, but we are putting together a commemorative 100th episode 
on April 20th, and we still are looking for submissions from you. So it's as easy as just shooting us an email, saying what Les Hangout means to you. If you want to record a voice memo, I would love to hear your voices, but anything will do, even if you want to message us on Instagram, whatever's the easiest way to do it. Shoot us an email at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. Tell us your stories. We want to hear from you. Or DM us at leshangoutpod, Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff. We are excited to have an episode that's all about our listeners and what Les Hangout means to you. We're also going to be doing a Q&A from you for that episode. So if you have any questions for us, please email us at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. They can be as minuscule or as big as you want. Like what are your hopes and dreams and aspirations in the world? Or, you know, what's your favorite color? Whatever you want to know, let us know. Email us at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. And this week in the Lesdom, we have to talk about, I specifically have to talk about Motherland, Fort Salem. Everyone told me that I would love it. And they were crazy, right? I binged the first three episodes. There's some great gay shit. There's some witches. There's some military badass witches. I can't even handle how much amazing female energy (laughs) is radiating out of this beautiful show. So if you haven't watched it, you should definitely watch Motherland Fort Salem on Freeform. There's only three episodes, so it's easy to catch up. I will be continuing to watch and updating all of you of all of my thoughts on Twitter. (laughs) That's what's happening this week. Back to you, Ellie and Lee. Thanks, Ellie and Lee. We are so excited to bring you episode 14 of season three, Tangled Up in You. And we are super excited to have a guest with us today. We have Lauren Duca. She's an award-winning freelance journalist and the author of How to Start a Revolution, Young People and the Future of American Politics. Lauren, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So, Lauren, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself, and especially this is Les Hangout, right, a LGBTQ podcast. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey with your sexuality. Yeah, so I had a number of awakenings in the past few years, and it started with the election. I just woke up to realizing I was not living in the world I thought I was living in. And I sort of just had this really passive approach to politics um, and suddenly understood political agency with stunning clarity. And it resulted in this kind of bizarre series of events. I decided I needed to use my greatest and only skill, which is writing, to make sense of politics. I wrote this book proposal trying to make sense of the dumpster fire we were in by using my skills as a cultural researcher and reporter. And I wrote this essay called Donald Trump is Gaslighting America. And it went crazy viral. And shortly thereafter, I was on Fox and that went crazy viral. And then I experienced extreme vicious harassment. And um, suddenly my blood was carbonated and it just was a constant thought that I hated my brain. And so I had to really figure out how the fuck to save my soul. And so, yeah, I've been doing that. And it's been really a lot of work. And like that's included everything from therapy to ayahuasca. And (laughs) uh, 
some of the most excruciating pain, worse than I ever would have imagined, but like had to get to the bottom of the black hole to climb my way back out of it. And sort of also on that journey, there have been many, like this fundamental journey of figuring out how to like myself. There have been many great gifts, such as believing in God and like figuring out I'm gay, grateful every single day for those two things. So spark notes, (laughs) spark notes version. uh, I love a um, I feel like we could just do a whole episode on uh, your ayahuasca journey, but (laughs) let's not do that. Let's talk a little bit about the coming out part of that. Yeah. So in the midst of all of this, there's also a whole coming out journey going on. How did that work with everything else that was happening in your life at that point? Well, I, I think that becoming public facing was so disorienting like to go viral is stressful even when it's good and even when you're not it's not a public shaming or extreme harassment it's just it's really stressful to interact with all that human energy and expectations and ideas of who you are and it's really to metabolize that I don't know that human brains are ready (laughs) it's not good (laughs) yeah it really rattles me the harassment that I got right away into this like trauma brain and so yeah I felt like there was just this black hole inside of me and I just yeah felt like I couldn't escape it and I had worked you know I was married to a man who was so handsome and kind and loving and like convinced that I was rotten because this just wasn't clicking but it had to be that there was something wrong with me because I basically have the Ken doll version of like the heteronormative thing that I had been told to want. And then, you know, kind of like also told by my family who has now, I think been really thoughtful about all of this in retrospect. Um, and I appreciate and love them, but I think in a lot of ways enforced this idea that because I'm this kind of hyper emotional, anxious, and depressed in cycles writer, I needed some man to anchor me down and to be there as a counterweight for my sort of washer dryer cycle of continuous emotionality. And like what I actually mm-hmm. needed was to like look inside myself and and go right. through a, a great amount of healing that now I feel like I've escaped those states. It only intensified it because it just felt like my life Um, I had everything I was supposed to want. Like I was starting a career as a a writer and I had the apartment and I had, was living in New York and, and my husband was very handsome and kind. And I was just like, Oh, um, like clearly there's a, 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 just a black hole inside of me. Like I'm wrong. Therefore, you know, it feels a lot like when you talk about depression, like anyone who has dealt with depression in their lives, and it's always like trying to explain that to people who haven't experienced that, right? And it's like, it's not like there's not stuff to be happy about in your life. It's not like, oh, my life is terrible and therefore I'm depressed. It's like, you can be depressed even when your life is perfect and amazing and great. <laughs> and like, it has, it's nothing to do with that. You know, it sounds like it's a, like a similar thing of saying like, you can have like this great life and this great relationship and like at face value, like here's my perfect marriage and my perfect husband. But like, if that's not what you actually want, <laughs> it's not going to be perfect, right? Like no matter how hard you like spit shine it up to try to make it. Yeah, I think that also repression played like a really wild role that is just sort of like just completely 
my brain had no idea what love or sex was even supposed to be. And so I think that like I was so delayed to even beginning to formulate the idea of pleasure or me having some sort of a reciprocal interaction during sex. Like I, mm-hmm. I was just like playing this role, I think, and just like trying to find myself sexy through sex, like not even, yeah, it was sort of like performing fun to the extent that you know genitals will be stimulated by physical touch (laughs) and like but I just I in in retrospect I'm like don't understand how I ever like it's just it's so it's the idea kind of energetically of sleeping with cis men now is just doesn't make sense anymore and so so it's almost hard to explain but it's just like I didn't have the pathways oh you're you're preaching to the choir right now It's, we uh, get it. We yeah, get it. it's like I, I it's, it's kind of a, an interesting way to move through the world because I'm like I don't have any idea what the future is going to look like because I didn't know this existed and I can't even be known to trust myself. Like anything could be. I know what my essential self is now and like kind of the way everything else is subject to like evolution through this very drastic one in particular. <laughs> But it's also, it's not an uncommon journey. You know, I mean, we get emails and and messages from listeners all the time who, you know, not just come out later in life, but come out later in life after, you know, getting married, starting a family, like having kids with men, right? And getting to that point where I think there's constantly this, it's almost like you just keep digging a hole deeper and deeper being like, the next step will make me happy finally. And like the next step, (laughs) I'm not happy in my relationship, we'll get married and that will fix it. And then we'll have kids and that will fix it. And you know, like, I think eventually hitting this wall of like this, maybe this, I'm just, maybe I'm digging down in the wrong direction and not what you were saying, like climbing your way out. So let's dig into that because you mentioned repression. And obviously, that's going to sort of be the focus of what we're talking about today. What does it mean to you when you say that the role that repression played in that? I think that I always assumed that the kind of extreme versions of the script would look a certain way. And even though church was a more a soft influence, every Sunday it was required, but it wasn't as if there was kind of this evangelical fervor about it. It was more of um, something diffuse in the general culture of, of the way I grew up and like the just seeing the way sex was commodified and like being told it was something that was like a coin that I had to trade and just really, really deeply internalizing that and like the value of my body, like getting like a limited number of shots, kind of. I was not thinking that I was going to be struck down dead if I had sex before marriage, but I sort of felt like I was like trying to go for as few as possible. Like that was my... That was my orientation to it. And actually, like, when I, uh, you know, lost my virginity to a high school boyfriend, I remember immediately thinking, am I? I don't think so. I just, I I don't know if this is what they're talking about on Friends. Because this is just, (laughs) I don't, you know, what is the hype? Like, it got better than that. But (laughs) I just didn't know you could expect something more than that. And um, I hooked up with, women in college but just made out with them mostly and never sort of fully had sex with a woman and I like think back to this one night where like this woman who I would make out with a whole bunch I think we were gonna maybe possibly head back together and then I got really drunk and I like 
tripped over this ridiculous floor length chiffon skirt from forever 21 while running in an intersection out of, away from fucking cubby hole. And I can just like picture her like reaching her hand out to help me up. And, and I like think of it as this like portal to a different life. Like, you know, <laughs> save me in retrospect because it's, it's like the Aladdin, like, do you trust me? Yeah. Like, ah, like, but actually I have a, it's, it's just such a paradigm shift and we can definitely, we can definitely dig into all of it more, but I almost wonder if like I needed to, not fully appreciate what love and sex are until I finished my first book because I just like would have been too happy and like my misery was driving this like extreme type a work ethic so like that was the payoff (laughs) for like feeling empty inside and um not knowing that it was knowing I'm gay that was missing yeah I get that 100% I feel like I'm going way back but not that far back Mm -hmm. When you talk about repression, I think we had talked about this a little bit via email because you are a femme-presenting lesbian and I'm also pretty femme-presenting. I think there's a lot about repression that isn't necessarily like gayness is a sin, right? Which is sort of what a lot of people think about of like, okay, I'm repressed because gayness is wrong. Yeah. And I think it's similar repression to what I felt, which was I don't look like what a lesbian is supposed to look like. Men are interested in me and I'm interested enough in them. And that's what is expected of me is, like you said, a sexual object as a woman in society. Yes, yes. I. It's so easy to follow the script. And if you, if you don't have an immediate alarm in reaction to it, you know, like I dated a woman once who told me the first time she held hands with a man, a little voice came in her head and said, nope, that's not right for your body. And like, that's just how... <laughs> that's amazing for her. God bless. Like, you know, how do we get that voice? (laughs) How, like, can we all, who is the narrator of it? I love to think about this, but it's just like, we are pushed to move along the grooves of this script. And like, I, it was a bigger self-esteem problem for me as well, because I also then with women for a little bit, watched myself just wait and see who liked me. I'm not really stopped to think about what I wanted or what I needed. And I actually feel like I had to get into like a really awful, abusive, and like scary for a short time, actually, relationship with a woman to kind of see the underlying toxic pattern in all of the relationships that I'd ever had, which was just not seeing any value in myself. And like, I've finally caught that and have a paradigm for something better. And I'm super in love. And like, it took a lot of work to get here. But I, there's a big difference there too. So given that you didn't have that little voice, what was the thing that was like the first little spark? I mean, you said obviously it it was something that you'd toyed with, thought of. It's not like, you know, you'd never heard of gay people and all of a sudden like this bright light shone down from the heavens. Mm -hmm. So what what kind of started that realization or like started those gears turning in a way that they just hadn't before? I fell for a woman while I was with my husband. I felt feelings that I'd never felt before. And I just, I knew that that, like pursuing something with her wasn't a possibility for other reasons, but I knew what I was feeling. And um, that happened a couple of times actually then. And (laughs) God fucking damn it, right? Like, and married women sometimes where I was just like, oh, this is really amazing universe. Thank you. Once I felt it, like it was just this breakthrough where 
then more and more and more pathways started forming. I think, I think I just never fully took myself seriously. Like I didn't think I had any right to even claim it. And actually it's interesting because yeah, it was the opposite of homophobia for me. Like I'm a very outspoken, dramatic woman. Like I'm an archetype and I have had a young gay man around me for like as long as those things were kind of obvious and just been in the bag for gay men like since I've been like five years old. And so it's just kind of like my parents, my dad actually, when I came out to them, my dad was like, oh, I always knew that you were gay. And I was like, okay, well, you could have told me that. And (laughs) there, there are definitely other things that he talks about. And like, I think part of it is my just like masculine confidence but like also I had a giant pride flag hanging in my bedroom like during the fight to legalize gay marriage so like I was just all in on understanding like love is love and that was why I didn't think I was suppressing anything and in fact had even joked like that I wish I was gay like but just like couldn't Mm -hmm. fully didn't take myself seriously and I actually had like a lousy experience with like after I kind of fully hooked up with a woman for the first time it was like the day before pride in 2017 and I was just feeling so excited like just taking seriously my like what I thought I might have felt in college and like was beginning to legitimize for myself and I tweeted like happy pride to everyone because no one's 100% straight and like I met my own self like I was just like Mm -hmm. excited to not be 100% straight like I didn't want to be like I was like oh my god thank god something a spark I think that's so common too because like I know when I was in high school like my best friend in high school and I we were both like in our GSA as allies and you know like we were super passionate about like gay rights and all this stuff and we used to joke that like you know oh my god like high school boys are so terrible and we should just form like the future lesbians of America and like everyone should just give up on men <laughs> completely and then you and did. all of that like before <laughs> we both obviously came out um like very <laughs> very soon one after the other I feel like it gets harder to do that as you get older and especially like as you get older and get more entrenched into like here's the identity I'm building for myself you know and it and it's like you're just stacking all these things now on top of each other uh, like what you were saying of like it's hard to suddenly claim something that you feel like you haven't been been building you know it's like how do you how do you build a whole different thing and then be like but also I'm this I had some really weird interactions with that stigma and kind of just from it being public facing, like at my own personal level and at the level of telling like my beloveds, I did not have any concerns, but yeah, it was just sort of this, this very real thing that then did happen, which was people like actually explicitly questioning the validity of me coming out, saying that I'm pretending to be gay for attention, which I actually kind of find it like if it wasn't so awful, it might be really hilarious because it's like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> that you think <laughs> it's like within a human soul's capacity to pretend to be gay for attention. Like it's just so fucking right. deranged. And also like, you know, the only validation I need is like the constant eternal happiness that I feel pretty regularly, like with interruption when I have my period, but just like the better brain that I'm living in now <laughs> is more than is fine. I mean, Ellie and I just came out for the sweet podcasting opportunities. That's really yeah. It, like we know? just yeah, we just pretend so that we can have this. We can talk every week about all this shit for pretend. <laughs> 
It's interesting because <laughs> I like had a similar relationship to both the word God and the word gay, where it just honestly like it was like an add up over time. Actually, there were big breakthroughs in from atheist to increase intensely spiritual and from straight to gay. But like, I think the like final reclaiming and ownership of the term was both sort of the same thing where it was just a moment of like, this experience has changed me and transformed me. And I am convinced of it with total certainty. And I know what I experienced was God for me. And I know, and also having, I think that certainty is also informed me having the conviction to know myself and say like, okay, like, yeah, I did. I, I took me a minute to get there. Like, I feel as weird as anyone that I spent this time (laughs) dating and marrying men. Like, but here I am and I know what my body wants now and I know what my soul needs now. And like, didn't even realize what a big deal it was for me to tweet that and like come out publicly. Then as soon as I did it, I just like felt it energetically and just felt so fucking free and it was it was awesome it's funny that people would react that way too because it's like you know the queer community in general we're constantly saying like visible people it's important for people to come out who have that platform because you know because people need to know that there is another path that they can take right that that the only script that exists is not the heteronormative mold of, like, what your life needs to be. So it's funny that then people would would watch it happening and then the immediate reaction would be like, it's fake! Like, what? (laughs) Well, and it's more vicious than just, like, random people in a Twitter conversation that, as far as I am concerned, hit piece about me from BuzzFeed, um, that interviewer, before anything happened to begin to magnify and, you know, create bad faith outrage about, that interview included multiple questions about, is scissoring a thing? Like, testing me um, and asking me if I still sleep with cis men, just really being invasive. And I just, and then, like, asserting that there was bad faith around me on Twitter as if that was a source that needed to be tested against when I was standing right there in front of her saying like, I'm fucking gay, bitch. Like it was just (laughs) awful. And, and I think like it felt really, really good to write about coming out because just felt like really like taking back the microphone and this, I'm honestly so grateful. And like, it is enough for me to wake up every day and be like, yes, thank God. I'm awake still. And, um, but I think that actually being able to kind of share that story felt, felt really good. And I think we need as many pathways as possible because the, you don't know what's going to make it click. And like the heteronormative grooves of this society are so intense. Even this like lifelong fag hack (laughs) had a pride flag, like wearing it around her head, like since she's been five, like needed to be shaken awake. Like, I think that we're getting more blessings like Megan Rapinoe and like other kind of ring of keys moments, just like rattling the queer out of like all of the repression, but it looks so many different ways. And I think we don't even know that we're following these scripts sometimes. Um, And I think that now I'm also, also rejecting stories and patterns that are allowing me to, do a better job at changing the world with my work as a journalist and as an activist, I think because of the power that I feel in my conviction of my ability to transform, I can imagine a greater possibility in trying to inspire social imagination, which is the goal of my work. And so it feels like 
it's such a, a beautiful gift. And I, I like to think about the future in the same way I'm thinking about my present, like possibility is always beyond what you can even imagine. Yeah, I love that so much. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. My particular coming out story was literally one of my friends shaking me awake and saying, like, you're gay, bitch. <laughs> literally. <laughs> so I think there are a lot of things that, like, sometimes you do just need someone to shake you. And I was the same way. I was, like, shaking my head so hard when you're, like, wrapped in a pride flag. <laughs> I literally was, like, I love gay people, but just not me. Right? Like, yeah. everyone else is gay, and they're amazing, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm just, like, the best ally ever. But also, I love, like you said, you feel so much more free now. Like, there was this moment where it just unlocked you. But it is still a lot of stuff to untangle. Do you still find yourself dealing with day-to-day things of untangling that repression? Yeah, I feel like it's exciting. Like, I I just feel like I keep finding new kind of miracles all the time in it. And my just even little things of not shaving religiously anymore, like just questioning why I was even doing that. Or (laughs) um, I think the way I, I just feel like I carry myself with a lot more, I'm just like a lot more in touch with my authentic self and um not holding back on a certain masculine confidence that I have that I think really pisses people off in this femme exterior but like deal with it and uh leaning into that and like feeling a lot of power in that um has been a really cool thing I just think that it's very important to me to fully be myself and express myself politically and I hope, actually, I hope that I can be that click moment for 
even just a couple of people. And I, I actually happen to know from some of my very best fan emails that I, I have helped <laughs> facilitate the click. And um, I think it's really exciting. There's so much more visibility. There's so many more options. And I, I mean, I think even just like the lens of like the L word coming back to like think about what were the options uh, when it was first out there. And there's just so, there's so much more and not nearly enough, but I think those pathways are going to break through the script. Um, and I think more and more women are going to like be demanding pleasure in all kinds of ways. And I think there'll be a lot more queer awakenings to come as that happens. Well, also just happiness. I mean, pleasure is one thing, sure. But like being happy and like being like realizing that the things that you actually want are the things that you're working for, you know? Mm -hmm. It's so funny. I'm so curious because, you know, we've talked about coming out in a couple different ways already on the show. We haven't really talked about specifically coming out later or coming out like after you've sort of established established like a, a different life for yourself already. And so I'm I'm really curious because while we're talking about like repression and how it gets all tangled up in like when you are someone who's femme presenting and who has fallen into this very like heteronormative picture of what our lives as women are supposed to look like, you know, something that Ellie and I talk about is I think it's very common when you come out and especially when you come out young, you know, like in high school or even like in middle school that I feel like people come out and then you immediately go through this like, and I'm gonna come out and I'm gonna only wear flannel and I'm gonna cut all my hair off and I'm gonna wear boy cut jeans and the chain with the wallet and like you do all the gayest shit <laughs> in the world, right? Because you're, because you're finding yourself and you're at a point in your life where you're finding yourself. And I'm so curious about like, when you've come out at a point where you're like, this is who I am and this is this is what I look like, you know, like you're finding out new things and, and you're feeling out your identity in different ways, but it feels like the femme part of your identity isn't something that has come into question for you. I've gone through a lot also just with my body and with getting over an eating disorder and body dysmorphia and like I'm just finally at a place where I even know how to celebrate it at all. And so I think that I do see kind of the ways that I was performing for so desperately for the male gaze out of this like inability to do an internal validation. And that's actually a thing that's kind of creeped into my head is like this like obsession with the flat stomach. And I just mm. am like, where the fuck is this coming from? Because I don't necessarily need that in partners I'm not like looking for it I sometimes think something very different than a blood something is possibly even hotter sometimes and has been in certain cases so like I why is that still kind of like that parasite photoshop thing still in my brain and and realizing mm -hmm. that I'm I have to and still I've made progress but I'm still working on this like consciously actively process against that and, and I think that it's yeah. been yeah it's been revealed in a really interesting way through that um also my partner is non-binary and that has been the our partnership has taught me so many things but in terms of just connecting energetically beyond the script they are just so truly beyond gender and it's we are kind of communicating in this energetic 
dynamic, ever-evolving way that it's just hard to imagine in a heteronormative iteration of any kind. And like, I, I, I just feel so grateful to like be able to have that like mind-blowing level of love. Yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting because it's like, God, I have so many thoughts right now. It's like, it's bringing up a lot of similar things where like, well, I have two kids, but one that I carried who's 20 months old right now. Um, And so I'm, you know, like 20 months from carrying and pushing a human out of my body. And like, my body is not the same (laughs) as it was and probably never will be, you know, in some of those ways that I'm like, kind of trying to pick apart those same things where I'm like, why does it matter if my body is different than it was, right? Is it different in ways that are worse? Or is it just different in ways that, like, I've convinced myself are worse because we have this, like, ridiculous ideal of what women's bodies are supposed to look like? But I think you're totally right that, like, as, you know, more and more people are coming out as non-binary, realizing they're non-binary, learning about non-binary, and kind of, like, just sort of checking the whole binary gender spectrum to the side in a lot of ways, that that is, I think, also going to play a huge factor in this. And I mean, hopefully, you know, uh, obviously our dream is always like a better, queerer future. (laughs) Yeah. But hopefully in a way that that does kind of make it easier for people to see past that, see through that. I don't know which one of those I want to go with. One of those. (laughs) I mean, I think it, yeah, it makes me, it makes me see very clearly kind of what I'm doing when I'm doing femme bullshit. (laughs) And like, it definitely made me pull back from it. I think, I mean, I think I also just feel really seen. Um, And then that's just another dimension of it. But yeah, being like comfortable with my whole self in, it's hard to know where one thing ends and another thing begins because I've just also been doing this work as a journalist activist and really committing myself to this sense of purpose and healing and eating disorder and healing a relationship with my family and coming out and changing my brain with plant medicine and finding this relationship with God. And like, I kind of sum it all up as finding God, like just figuring out how to like myself and like, and to be happy and to be free. But yeah, it's interesting because there's definitely nuances of the queer experience that are so ridiculously beautiful. And like, I can't wait for more people to figure that out. But um, every day just feels like such a miracle because I just have like a completely and totally new set of eyes that I see the world through now. And it's amazing. So like things are changing all the time for all different reasons. And um, it's not scary. I'm excited by it. Do you think you need like some hobbies? Because sounds like you don't have much going on. (laughs) Yeah, like I might, uh, maybe I'll pick up knitting. It feels like that's a cool thing that people do. Yeah. (laughs) I was gonna say too, I love like the energy you can feel coming from you when you talk about like this queer awakening and being queer. We we also feel that energy all the time. (laughs) I know a lot of our listeners are just recently coming out or working on untangling their own repression. What would you recommend to anyone who's listening who's in that first stage of like, okay, I know I have these feelings and I'm really trying to figure them out how to get through those first really difficult steps to get where you are right now, where you can just feel that energy exuding from you. Yeah. Um, well, I think that it's the answer is always to flex the muscle of learning to love yourself and 
I had to do that and basically be like hit over the head with internalizations of what self-validation means. And I'm, I'm really interested now in trying to kind of look at my brain before and unpack uh, what it was that led to this state. But it was just miserable. And I was constantly telling myself I hated myself and being cruel to myself. And the journey of figuring out how to self-validate and coming out even after those milestones were achieved, I was kind of being nicer to myself, but about my external externalities and like about external validation and sort of just telling myself that I was funny and hot and successful, but not, you know, like worthy of love at like this essential level. And I think really had to continue and have had to continue and now make a daily practice of building this muscle of no I fucking love you bitch like directed at my (laughs) own self and like really doing that and building it and it's it's getting stronger and I still have a lot of work to do and sometimes the floor still falls out from under me but I know I got into some really scary shit even after coming out and that was because I yeah, I was kind of willing to sell my soul to somebody who didn't see my worth and I didn't because I didn't either. And it was only kind of after I really fully got the grounding in my wholeness that I think I was ready for the love I found now. And to be able to be, if I have a partner who um, I don't actually need at all, but just support and love and want to be with and and have the sense that I trust that I can continue on in my individual work of loving myself and playing backup for them as they do the same and vice versa um I had to go through so much dumb bullshit and like stupid decisions to figure it out so I think it's like being kind to yourself on that journey and like setting that goal and Um, trusting that it's an active process that you do every day and it's not linear. And like, I still have days where I'm just like being a shithead inside of my own brain for no reason. And I think it's just remembering it's a muscle and just like loving yourself all the goddamn time because you're getting, you're amazing. Oh, I love that. Let's just end it there. That's the end. That's it. There's nothing else you can say after that. <laughs> no, you're gay and amazing. That's all we need to know. Um, I want that on a shirt. Let's make shirts with that, Ellie. Yes, you're gay and amazing. I think <laughs> it is time for our Q and gay. What do you think, Lee? Oh my God, I'm so ready. Q, 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 and, and, and gay. All right, so we do a Q and gay every episode. We're going to ask you five questions, all multiple choice or yes or no. We're also going to put them up on our Twitter for our listeners. So are you ready, Lauren, for our Cuban gay? Yes. Let's do this. Question number one. What is the gayest thing your repressed self did? Oh. (laughs) A, sleepovers. B, best friend breakups. C, celebrity crushes. Or D, dated a gay boy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I honestly, like feel like I did some combination of all of those things. But the answer is really just being so extremely pissed at hot girls in high school and like <laughs> thinking that they were my enemies um, and seeing now that they were all just really beautiful and <laughs> had like Abercrombie and Fitch wardrobe that was just sitting perfectly on their hip bones and like did not need to have so much rage about that. 
um, happening at that time. <laughs> Misplaced gay rage. I love it. Gay rage. Like, I was like, I'm so mad that you're so hot, Nicole. Like, <laughs> I can't take it. <laughs> How dare you make me feel these feelings I'm having. <laughs> yeah. In retrospect. Uh, question two. What shook you into realizing you were queer? A, a small inner voice. B, a friend. Or C, falling for a girl. Ayahuasca. <laughs> but falling for I'll, a girl, falling for a girl. I'll make that, I'll make that D, ayahuasca. <laughs> Amazing. Question three, what was the biggest factor for you in repressing your sexuality? A, religion. B, family. C, friends. Or D, nothing. I came out when I was eight. Mm, family. But, uh, uh. The culture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Society is... Society. <laughs> okay, question four. Uh, might be a little biased, but do you like your politics thigh high? Yes or no? <laughs> yes. And question number five for all of you out there. Are you ready to start a revolution? Yes or no? <laughs> yes, I guess. <laughs> is this the part where I pop my book? <laughs> you could totally, totally plug that book right now. <laughs> um, so so the other piece of this awakening, besides figuring out, thank God that I'm gay, was having this awakening into political agency. And um, when I went viral, it was on Teen Vogue, which kind of started this question of, do young people care about politics? Why don't young women care about politics? These kind of ridiculous questions that totally scapegoat young people for being boxed out of the system and then not demanding a voice at the table. And the process by which we're increasingly having these awakening moments where we can see the system and our role within it. So it's, it's sort of a case for hard work and hope. And um, if my voice wasn't too annoying, you should grab a copy or especially grab a copy, I think, for people who don't usually hear their voices, see their voices represented in politics and could use a little extra empowerment. Very cool. Remember, you can also give us all your answers to this episode's Q&A on our Twitter at Let's Hang Out Pod. Lauren, if people want to find you, where's the best place for them to find you? <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Lauren Duca and uh, Instagram at Duca Lauren. Amazing. And can you let everyone know where they can find your book, the title of it, and all that? Oh, yeah. So How to Start a Revolution. And you can get it wherever books are sold. I think probably IndieBound is the ideal choice. But, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the other greedy corporate titans of the dying publishing industry will have it, too. <laughs> Yay, capitalism. Audiobook too, if you prefer. If you if you liked my voice, there's a there's an audible edition of it and I narrate it. Do you read it? Did you read it? That's yourself? right, yes. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Lauren. This has been a blast untangling repression, all of our repressions with you. <laughs> yes, thank you. Let me hear you say hip, 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 well, yeah. We love hearing from all of you. We love continuing to build this community. So we just like to take every episode to shout out some of our favorite interactions that we've had with our listeners recently. And this week, we would like to shout out Jackson, who emailed us saying that we should do Kara and Lena from Supergirl. And I just want to say, Jackson, that your wish might be fulfilled pretty soon. I posted on Twitter 
looking for some super corp experts and got a lot of responses because basically everyone on Twitter is an expert on Supercorp. Um, but we are so excited. We're going to be putting together that episode. We will keep you updated. But for all you Supercorp fans, we see you. We hear you. We are getting ready. So a big thank you to all of our Lesbian Jesus patrons, starting with Tanya Ferguson, Jess Klaus, Danny Griswold, Sarah and Julia, Carrie and Lawrence, Mark Foster, Danny Gunlock Tamora, Audrey O'Connor, Alana Rosen, Kayla Kelly, Leah Henley, Tara Gleason, and our newest King Princess patron, Lizette Stye. Welcome to King Princess, Zet. Happy to have you here. And our other favorite King Princess patrons, Amy and Ellen. Amy and Ellen. And at our sponsorship at level, Wendy K. Bartlett. Thank you so much to all of you, as always. It is a huge help, especially during this time. We yes. cannot say how much we appreciate you. I also want to say, if you are a patron and you have to lessen your pledge at this time, that is also more than okay. We know that people are dealing with a lot of different financial things right now. No matter at what level you're at, we love you so much. And even if you are just a listener who loves us and isn't part of our Patreon, we also love you. So don't worry about any sort of financial things. We know it's a very difficult time for everyone. Please don't add any stress. Not from us. Remember, you can also find us on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Let's Hangout Pod. You can email us at lesshangoutpod at gmail.com. Or you can check out our website at lesshangoutpod.com. Make sure you subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes drop. We also are still putting videos up on our YouTube channel, so make sure that you subscribe at youtube.com slash lesshangoutpod to catch them. If you want to support the podcast, you can rate and review us on iTunes. I know you all have a lot of extra time on your hands, so go. (laughs) Go rate and review us. It's the easiest and freest way to let other people know how much you love us. If you want to join our Patreon, we are trying to increase our events for our patrons right now while we're all stuck in our houses so you have all sorts of fun perks that we're trying to keep putting out during these dark dark times uh you can find that at bit.ly slash les patreon if you want to get some les hangout merch you can do that at bit.ly slash les shop we have just promoted our intern kayla to the head of our merch shop so you're going to be seeing a lot more from our merch and i'm excited to see what kayla has to do with it bit.ly slash les shop if you want to follow us individually, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at LSH Foster. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ellie Bridgeta. With that, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee. And, and let's, let's hang, hang out, out again, again soon. soon. Let's hang out. out.